Good morning and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I am Elder Nick and I'm joined by Elder AJ. And this week's lesson is titled A Moment of Destiny. Now this is for the week of April 1st until the April 8th, I believe. Yeah, 7th or 8th. Friday would be the 7th. Yeah, so 7th. And with that, let's go ahead and get started with our lesson. All right, I want to go ahead and open in prayer? Yes. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, another week and getting us through another week safely. We thank you for this lesson, Lord. We pray that you will help us to understand the concepts that you want us to learn once again. Uh, enable us to be able to understand, open our minds, and help us to be able to receive your words from the scripture and, and what it means for us today and what it means for us moving forward. We thank you for all of your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this week, the memory text is found in Revelation 14, 14 and verse 15. And it says, Then I looked and behold a white cloud, and on that cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Now, next week, I know we really get into the first angel's message a lot more, and this will kind of tie into that. Um, But for this week, this lesson is sort of a continuation about understanding our choices. And this verse will get, once we get into this lesson, this verse will get broken down and it'll tell us exactly what's, what all of these terms mean and how Jesus usually used um, he usually used um, parables when he was speaking to the people. And in this term, again, it's another sort of like a parable, just kind of uh, giving us an understanding of something using symbols. And and I know a lot of people, when they read this verse, are like, oh, what, is, what does that mean exactly? You know, we think about the sickle and reaping, and we don't always understand those terms because it's not something that we use today. But in this lesson, we'll kind of break down those terms and, and get a better understanding of what that means. So it also helps us to understand that that God is calling individuals to become his agents, right? Um, to tell others what is to come to go out and preach the gospel. And so those these three angels' messages that we're going to be covering in the next couple of weeks are going to be breaking down what that means and how we all have to play a part in that. This verse, it's in a way, it's kind of scary. But in the other way, it's kind of like it's a very hopeful verse, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, here we have Christ coming back, visibly seen in the clouds. And that is a sign of hope. That is something powerful, especially when we get a chance to actually see it. But then it comes that second part with him in his right hand, or in his hand, a sharp sickle. And the imagery that people have of a sickle or a scythe is that of death, right? Yes, yeah. But for farmers... For those that are harvesting their wheat, harvesting their grain, harvesting, you know, whatever they're, they've planted, they have to use a sickle in order to remove it from the earth. Mm-hmm. And when you look at this and you take that into account, Christ is coming to reap the good wheat, the good strands, the good plants, the good life, and reap it and take it to put it in the storehouse. And what's left gets either burned, ground up, destroyed. Yeah. And then the next crop is planted because you have to prepare for the next crop. You have to prepare for the good seed. 
to be planted back in the earth. Yeah. So it just this one message. There's so much imagery and information that it, it can be an overload. Yeah. And I know that um, talking about the lesson this week was, I know a lot of people read, get into Revelation, they start reading Revelation and start um, kind of getting discouraged by it by saying, well, I don't understand what all these symbols and all, the, all of these things mean, right? But like it says oh, here, opening on the portion of the lesson on Sabbath, it says, God has always spoken to his people, giving them whatever relevant truth they needed to hear at the time. And this is what he's doing in Revelation. Revelation is, a, is yes, it's very symbolic, but each of those symbols has meaning. And each of those um, meanings, when we almost understand them and separate them, will help us to understand what's going to happen in the future. And so even in this verse here, we're, un- we're going to break down and understand what is going to what is going to come and what that means. Um, and I think that's very important for us to understand what it means and not just, you know, here we go. We, t- we hear people talk about the three angels' messages a lot. And we, t- we hear them say, one, two, three. Here's the three angels' messages. Now go out and do your work. <laughs> you know, and it kind of, they try to simplify it because I know a lot of people get um, discouraged by it. But, but we see throughout the Bible, all the way even from the Old Testament, that God has always revealed what's going to happen in the future. You know, we see it all the way back from when it re- proclaimed that, um, where we read it in the great controversy last week, right? We saw that he, the destruction of Jerusalem, he predicted what was going to happen. And go all the way back to the flood, the first coming of Christ. All of it is predicted in scripture and everything happened exactly as it was a, a, at the time it was supposed to happen. And so here we are now in our time, 2023, looking forward to a time of what's going to happen next. And And when we study through this lesson, we see it's telling us this is what's going to happen. Now, when you tell people future prophecy, a lot of people right away just kind of back off from it and say, well, I don't, I don't believe in that prophecy stuff. I don't want to talk about that prophecy stuff. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, I, I don't really understand it. So we kind of put it off and say it's not true. Now, what that does is, is when we read stuff like this about what's going to come, we just dismiss it right away. And I think that's something that that we all have to get past at some point. Cause I know even I was there at one point, I was uh, reading revelation, you know, many years back and it's like, there's just so much here to break down and I'm just going to go read Psalms cause it's happy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you think about it too, think about Daniel when he was given these visions, when he was trying to understand it himself, because <clears throat> you know, there's so much symbolism of certain parts that we see. But when we look at this, you know, it is in Revelation, but it's crystal clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is straightforward compared to some of the other stuff. You know, when yeah. you look at, you know, the, the seven-horned beast and all that stuff, it's, this message is very defined and very purposeful. Yeah. And like you said, you know, God doesn't do anything just to do it. He tells you what he's going to do. And with that information, you should expect that to come through to fruition. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I said, you know, it's scary, but there's a, there's hope in this message. Is, yeah. Because we know what's going to happen. We know what the future is going to hold. We know what's coming. So there's absolutely no reason for anyone who studies this message to be surprised by yeah. by the events as they take place because they're laid out and i think we'll get clear. to that at the end of this lesson it'll talk about yeah. why we shouldn't be afraid right of, of all of this and but i think a lot of times that fear will end up coming from not um 
I mean, we see the two sides presented, and especially here in this verse, you see the two sides presented, right? There's going to always be, the, like we mentioned before, that there's going to be good and evil, there's going to be good and bad, right? There's always going to be two sides to this, and you're going to fall on one side or the other. And I think that when we look at it as a whole, your fear comes from the fact of possibly not being good enough. Well, if I'm not good enough, if I'm not going to be on the good side, we know that we're going to default to the bad side. And we see what the Bible says about those who are going to be, you know, eternally destroyed. And that's enough to create fear in us. That's, that's enough to create it, to make us say, well, I don't want to, I don't want nothing to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> but the interesting thing about that is even though if you say you want nothing to do with it, it's still going to happen. <laughs> Either way, it's still going to happen. And, and at some point you're going to fall on one side or the other, and you're going to have to go through whether you, you make it to heaven or you don't, you're still going to fall on one side or the other. And as we go through this, this message, this lesson, you know, preparing for the three angels message, it's, it's good to have a, a foundation of understanding before you get into it. Because, you know, when I first heard the three angels message, okay, I had to like, I was confused a little bit. So, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, what is it, what is it calling for? What is it? What is it saying? And it took several Bible studies. It took several sermons, several lessons for me okay. to kind of even have a basic understanding, understanding of what, yeah. what that is. Because like I said, that the whole, all of Revelation is very purposeful in how it was written. And again, going back to that symbolism, you know, the symbolism will confuse you. It will kind of like you look at it and go, well, what does that exactly mean? Mm -hmm. And then you have somebody who actually understands revelation, who understands the imagery and they break it down for you. It's it. Then you start looking at the stuff around you going, Oh no, <laughs> is that yeah. really happening right now? Cause you start seeing the similarities and things that are taking What's going on the events. You. And it's, you know, you get a little fear cause now you're like, okay, we are definitely living in, in this time. But then you get to that, to that message where, you know, the final message, it's a message of mercy. Yeah. You know, it's a message of calling to his people and saying, it's time. Make yeah. your choice. You know, and there's, there's going to be people who don't, people who are stuck. And they're going to be yeah. cut out with the bad, you know, from the good wheat. I kind of want to be taken up and put in a storehouse, honestly, but... <laughs> And you look at the Bible as a whole from cover to cover. You see from Genesis, you can read the Bible from cover to cover, and you can see everything happen in history all the way back from Genesis and through the life of Jesus and, and up to now. And here we are re reading Revelation 14, and there's only, what, 22 chapters in Revelation? We're not far from the end of this book, and this whole history thing is going to come to an end really soon. And when you look at how many pages are left in in this world's history based on what prophecy tells us is going to happen, there's not a, there's not a lot of time left. And I know a lot of people will, will argue that and say, well, I've been in, you know, I've been in this church for, you know, 80 years or all my life. And, and, you know, when I came in, they said Jesus was coming back and he still hasn't come back. You know, that, that seems like a long time. But if you look at the whole span of everything and you realize our life spans are, they're so, they're so short in, <laughs> in relevance to the entire, you know, time, time frame from, from creation. We look at our lives and we say, well, 80 years seems like a long time. But really, it's just a snap. And sometimes you look back at your life now, you say, well, man, I'm 
possibly halfway through my life. You know, I can remember when I was just 20 or when I was 15, right? And, and you look back and you say that, well, it just seemed like it was yesterday because the time frame is so short in, in, in relevance to everything. And so it's, it's, we, we say, well, why is God taking so long to come back? Why is, he, why is he, you know, taking his time in the sense of what we think is time? But if you look at the course of history, 80 years is but just a small little piece of that. And it's literally a speck. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot to comprehend. You know, <laughs> even, and it's crazy because even scientists and, you know, those who study time and study history and stuff have, have struggled with the concept of just time. Because, you know, scientists believe the universe came into existence billions of years billions, ago. Yeah. You know, to us, we know existence came into being at the word of God. Mm -hmm. And it took him seven days to create everything in the universe. And you have, and it's, it's weird when you look at scientists who call this thing the Big Bang Theory. They don't know how it started. They have absolutely no explanation of how just... Did start right? <laughs> how the universe just went boom. Mm -hmm. Nothing. They have theories, but even then they're just theories. And other scientists are like, "We don't know. Mm -hmm. We can't explain it." Well, we can. It's in scripture. It's in the word. Yeah. God created the universe. And just as they as they have to take their theories by faith, we're taking our understanding of the Bible by faith that this is the way things happen. Mm -hmm. So you, everybody's gonna have their. their <laughs> The thing that they latch on to, basically, and there's again, there's really only two sides to that, right? Two main sides. Anyway, in the, in the lesson here, it talks about the three angels' messages are Jesus's final message of mercy, a call that leads us from trusting in our own righteousness to trusting the righteousness of Jesus to justify us, to sanctify us, and at the end of time to glorify us. And that is the thing that we are going to be studying primarily this quarter is the fact that He is calling us now to be able to make that choice of what are we going to do? I'm going to present to you with all of this information. I'm going to present to you what's going to happen in the future. I'm going to present to you that I'm coming back. But what are you going to do with that information? And, and that's what we're faced with. Each of us are going to be faced with that. Is, is what are we going to do with the information that's presented to us today to be able to make that choice for our eternal future? And so that kind of leads us into Sunday talking about the, those eternal choices. And those eternal choices... Uh, um, and it, it talks about here on the top, it says that there will come a day when every human being on planet Earth will make a final irrevocable decision either for or against Jesus. That's going to come a day for everybody in this world. Living, when you're, when you're alive, you're going to make that decision. When you die, you're going to make that decision. I know, I know of many people who have been on their deathbed that have at the last moment realized where they were and realized that they had a need of God and confessed their sins and, and just gave everything right there. Just like, I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Now I know a lot of people will say, well, that that's well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait till the very end till I'm going to die or wait till the very end when, when right before Jesus comes and I'm going to give my life to Christ. But <laughs> you don't know if you will die tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to die today. You don't even know if you're going to be able to pass easily while laying in bed with your loved ones around you. Yeah. You know, tomorrow you could wake up, go check the mail and get run over by a car. You don't know. You don't know. And it's, 
it's one of those things where you have to make that decision while you have the ability to. And, you know, it, it's one of those things you wake up in the morning. Who are you going to live the day for? Are you going to live the day for yourself? Or are you going to live the day for Jesus, for God? That, that, it's a simple choice. Yeah. And it's a daily choice. And I think we mentioned that before, that the fact that it's going to be a daily choice, not this one-time thing that you do once in your life and everything's good after that. You have to make that decision to continue to follow him daily. Yes. Daily. And now, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it. And, and looking at Sunday's lesson, you know, I keep saying it. Matthew is my favorite chapter <laughs> in the entire Bible. And it's just, for me, it's easy to understand. But, you know, Jesus made a promise that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds like a very, very hard thing to do to preach to the entire world. All he's saying here is the entire world will know who I am. Mm-hmm. Whether they accept me or not, the world will know who I am. And we're on using that ability right now to yeah. reach the world. <clears throat> because everybody, in at least the modern world, the the current world, majority of people have a way to get to information, have a way of getting yes. to technology. Now, Jesus never explained exactly how the world will know. Would know, yeah. But we're living in that time right now where information and knowledge is at your fingertips. That we're seeing tribes in the Amazon, tribesmen carrying cell phones <laughs> and learning about the world. <clears throat> so as, as a Christian, taking Jesus' proclamation that he gave to the disciples that they would go out and preach to the world, that's what we're doing now. That's what we all should be doing as Christians is preaching to the world, not preaching this idea of there's going to be consequences and punishment, but teaching the world that there is hope, that there is salvation, that there is love, that God cares and wants you to join him in heaven. Yeah, There are things you'll have to sacrifice in your life, and that's the evil, that's the sin. But you will find something greater if you take that leap of faith. Yeah, and the ability we have right now with the internet to be able to put a podcast speaking on the word of God and sharing this three angels message, this final message to the world. Yeah, as Christians, this is we're doing our part. We're at least trying to do our part. You know, whether or not people <clears throat> listen to it is a choice they make. But we are putting the message that Christ yeah. is coming. And I think that you bring up you bring up a very good point right there that using using the using technology. We can broadcast something around the globe probably in minutes, right? And so we say, well, even like uh, ministries like 3ABN and, and Adventist World Radio, and they're sending things around the world. We say, well, surely this message has to have gone around the world already once or twice or, or hundreds of times. Why has Jesus not come? That's a question I hear a lot from people. Is, well, this is with technology. We, I mean, you see a viral video. Somebody posts a viral video, and it goes it goes around the world in minutes and everybody sees it millions and millions and billions of views right and well how come the word of god cannot travel that fast well i think i think it does and it has but i think it's more than just sending out the message right um it has to get to everyone at least once they have to hear the message now just because we've you know you can release something around the world doesn't mean everybody has actually stopped to listen to it you can broadcast something. Think, think about this, for example. Say 
um, say you're planning an event and we're planning an event for our church and we want to make flyers for the event and then we go drive down central and as we drive down central we roll down all our windows and we throw our flyers out the window right we're just throwing them out the window and we're just throwing them around as you drive and they're going out everywhere maybe we put out a thousand flyers and the next week we hope that the events come you know the events coming up and we get to the event and nobody shows up why would that be the case I, I put the message out there. I mean, I got the message out to the world, right? I got the message out to my community. I threw flyers out everywhere. Don't you think people should have come? I mean, but, but what it takes is that somebody has to get the flyer, pick it up, and read it, and see when your event is happening, what time it's happening, what the event is for. But if nobody actually picks it up and sees it, nobody's going to go to your event, and I, and I look at that and I say, well, the gospel is a lot like that. We can send the gospel around the world. We can tell everybody about Christ, right? We can put up production, TV productions, put this podcast out, put videos on YouTube. But if somebody doesn't sit down and watch that video and understand it, then they haven't actually received the message. Yeah. Just because information is available doesn't necessarily mean that it's gone to the whole world. Yes, the information is available to the whole world, but how many millions of people in this world have not sat down and actually looked at a scripture once, or yeah. actually understood what that that Jesus Christ is coming back, and I think that's what it's talking about to us is that that we could spread the message, but if, if nobody actually hears it or understands it and has the ability to make that choice, then it actually hasn't gone to everyone. Yeah, because somebody's you have to in order to make a decision to follow Christ, you have to know both sides. So say you don't know anything about Jesus and you live in your life the way you're living it now and you say, well, maybe there has to be something better. But if I never have the opportunity to ever hear about something better, how can I make an informed choice to do that? So I think that's, that's something that when we see like we, in Matthew 24, 14, that it's going to be preached to the whole world. But that actually means that people have to hear it mm-hmm. at least once, at least one time. That's the, that's the of the whole thing, I guess, is, yeah. you know, how do you get people to listen? Even just, just, just to hear it, they don't have to accept it, but just to hear it, mm-hmm. you know, that is, that's a tough thing to do. And, you know, we have so many people in our society that have the ability to reach millions and millions of people instantly. You know, you look at celebrities, you look at musicians and, you know, you look at these politicians, these leaders, we call them leaders, you know, of our nation or of other nations, and they have the, the reach, the ability to connect to millions, if not billions of people. You know, look at YouTube, for instance, the Psy video, Gangnam Style, hit a billion views in a few days. Oh. Now, imagine, <clears throat> imagine a Christian who had that kind of ability to reach a billion people to be able to reach a billion people in, in, in a few days yeah. with an important message and people just be able to listen and, you know, make a decision that would be game changing for, for our faith. But we're in a, in a world right now where our faith is attacked. Our beliefs are attacked. Our, our trust and faith in our savior, our Lord, is attacked on a daily basis. So we're combating Satan at the same time as trying to share this message. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's sad that, you know, there are people out there that have heard the message and have absolutely refuted 
the whole thing and rejected it. Yes. We know that's going to happen in the end times. We know that the final days, even when Christ shows up in the clouds, there are going to be people who still deny him. Mm-hmm. So we know that's going to happen. <clears throat> but it's it at times it feels like it's an upward battle yeah. for us to yeah. to share that message to people who are willing to at least open their ears and their minds to the message that we're sharing. And there's going to be moments, and I think it's one of those things where something major has to happen for people to look at their faith. And I think COVID, or some call it the COOF, um, I think was a moment for a lot of people when they looked at themselves because they didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring, so they were looking yeah. for for that message of trying to understand what is tomorrow going to bring to us? Where are we going? Is this the end? Is this the start of something that we should be fearful of? And a lot of people had that time to sit down, open up scripture, look at the word, listen to some messages. And I think it changed a lot of people because we're seeing, especially in our church, the numbers are way more than what we ever thought. You know, people are seeking and looking for something. Yeah. And this is the opportunity as Christians to share this message of hope and salvation, that there is a new world coming that is so much better than the world we're living in. Yeah. That this message of hope, that salvation does exist, that you don't have to continually live in sin, that there is something better. And I think, you know, because of the event that occurred a couple of years ago, that this was that opportunity for people to start seeking. And, you know, I pray that more people open their minds, more people open their eyes to this message because it's so powerful. And when you understand it and you have somebody explain it to you, you know, what it means, what this message is, what's going to happen, your fear gets removed. You now are hopeful. Your fear turns to hope, right? You know, you're, you're excited that, you know, there is a new coming, that there is a new world on the horizon. And I hope that sparks a flame in people's hearts that they share that message with more people because, you know, it's, I I think what it is, it's not just us talking about the message. It's not talking just about what's in scripture. I think it's the testimonies that we have of how God has impacted our lives, how God has fit into our lives that I think is that catalyst that people need. Because you can read them cover to cover of the Bible, and they will never understand it. Mm -hmm. But if you sit there and say, on this day, I had this issue, I was struggling, and then God answered a prayer, Mm -hmm. and my life changed, that has more resonance. People take that much easier, which is kind of crazy. Instead of just trusting in the Word, they trust in the, in the, the events and the effects that people have experienced because of the Word. Yeah, and if you if you remember going back to the end of last week's lesson, where it talked about how Satan was going to continue to make war with the people who follow God and keep the commandments, he's doing that. He's going to do that same thing with this three angels message. This three angels message is that message of hope and that last final warning call going out to the world. You have to guarantee that he's going to challenge that. And when we talk about that message going out around the world on the internet and it can get across the world in minutes, right? We know that that has the potential and the possibility. But the problem with that is that there's going to be a lot of other things that are going to block out that message. 
We see today that there's tons of misinformation on the internet. You know, just do basic searches for everything and you're going to get some things that are true and some things that are completely wild, right? They're not going to be true at all. And so those types of misinformation are going to continue to battle this message as well. When people look up trying to say, find out something about the Bible and about the truth, well, there's going to be a lot of misinformation that's going to be challenging this message that he's going to make sure people don't hear it. That's what he doesn't want anybody to hear this message. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the call to be able to pull them out of what they're, of what the ways of thinking that they are have that they have now into a different way of thinking. It doesn't want to let that go. It's going to be challenged. And so this message is going to be challenged. It's not just going to be as easy as getting it out. You know, you can get the message out, like you said, all you want, but getting people to hear it and listen to it and, and actually make a decision off of it is what's going to be challenged right now. And I think it, that ties directly into, you know, Monday's lesson, the son of man returns. I found this quite interesting, you know, that the term son of man was used by Christ 82 times mm -hmm. in the gospels. Now, what does that mean? Son of man. It means exactly that. He is the son of man. He is the living God embodied in human form. Mm -hmm. Now, what I like about what this says here is when he, it was his favorite title, you know, son of man. And what's really crazy about it is that in the Old Testament, the term son of man was used to describe the Messiah. Mm -hmm. He would use that term. Now, Christ used the term, but it, there was more to that. And I think a lot of people, if they understood it a little bit more, they would get it. They would understand what Jesus was saying when he said it. You know, the, one of the biggest things I hear from people, especially those that are desperate, those that are brokenhearted or those that are struggling, is God doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, why should I pray to somebody who doesn't understand, who's never lived my life, who's never... Jesus did. Jesus, this, you know, God embodied. Yeah lived as a man on this earth. He scraped his knee as a kid. He <laughs> played played games with his friends as a kid. He ate. He slept. He worked. He lived life as a man. Mm -hmm. So when we say he, God doesn't understand, no, God understands fully because not only has God been God, but God has come down on this earth as man to understand the pain that we go through. Yep, the temptations, trials, problems. All right, of he it. understands it. To see and live in a world of sin. Mm -hmm. He knows that, and he could, he showed us the way of how to get out of that. Yeah. And it goes back into what I was saying about testimony. Jesus is God's testimony. Mm -hmm. When we look at Scripture and we look at the things that Jesus went through, there's nothing that Jesus didn't go through that we don't go through. Yeah. You know, Jesus paid taxes. <laughs> we all pay taxes. <laughs> it, it hurts. Yeah. Jesus was heartbroken. And imagine sitting at that table with your disciples, knowing that one of them betrayed you, that one of them gave you up and that you were about to pay the ultimate price for it. Yeah. He, un he understands that he understands people going against you, plotting against you. He understands that, you know, you have to do things. You know, look at the disciples. He look at look at Simon, for instance, Simon Peter. He was married. 
Jesus knew that. And he said, sometimes you need to take care of stuff at home. He, he understands that. Understands, yeah. So for, for people to really understand God, you know, picking up the scripture, reading the life of Christ, what he experienced, what he went through, there are so many things that, you know, you can tie to him that you've personally gone through. Mm-hmm. Heartache, happiness, sadness, you know, just so much. And, you know, the fact that he says, I am son of man, he's saying, I am one of you. Yeah, You are exactly. of me. And that's so, why it's so important for us to contemplate the life of Christ on, on, on this earth and why it's so important that he came in the first place because it's, it's harder for us to have, like you said in the beginning, have a relationship with a God that doesn't, you know, relate to us in any way. It's like it's this really high person in this high position and you're just way down here, you know, and you feel that there's this huge gulf of separation. Like there's just, there's no connection there. Um, I mean, when I was reading this this week, I actually thought about, you, you ever seen the show Undercover Boss? <laughs> I was thinking about that when I was reading this because it's like, you have the boss and you have the, the workers and you have, you know, like, like us as the workers and they send the boss in to be able to go and work these jobs with these workers to see what it's like to give them an opportunity to see what's really going on in their company. And I was thinking about that in relation to this, like, hey, Jesus came down to see what's going on with the world that he created, everything that's in it, how the people act, how they respond, how they live. So that way he can better understand us. And, and he did. He lived it all. He lived his life here so he can better understand what it's like to be human, to understand the feelings and, and everything that we go through. And that's what gives us hope. We have hope because of that, because we know, as we will talk about in a little bit, when it regards to the judgment, that we have hope in that because of what he did, because he lived our life. So now he understands what we feel, understands our trials, our temptations, understands our backsliding. He understands it. And he's always working to try to get us away from that. Like, hey, just come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. There's a better life. There's a better way. And so he's continually doing that over and over. And that's why he that connection is so important for, for us today as Christians. Oh, yeah. And it, it, you know, we look at that judgment, you know, when you have somebody who, anybody who's ever been through a court case, a speeding ticket, whatever, right? Yeah. You know, who do you want representing you? Do you want somebody who doesn't know who you are, has no experience, nobody, somebody who can really honestly care less yeah. about your life, the things you've gone through representing you, and, and especially in like a big trial or something? Yeah. No, you don't. You want somebody who understands you, who has seen similar situations as the ones you're going through. You know, you want somebody representing you who has your best interests first. And, you know, we've been blessed that Jesus walked the streets of Nazareth. He preached to people. He had human contact. He talked. He, you know, he ate with sinners. He ate with the, the poor. He shared his time with tax collectors. He talked to the everyday person, slaves, all that. He talked to everyone. That is the kind of person I want representing me in heaven because... God can easily look at the world and go, okay, the world's full of sin and just cleanse the planet mm-hmm. in a single snap. But we have 
an advocate on our behalf that is the same advocate that will return to this plane again to reap the people that have followed and been faithful. I want, for me, I would really want somebody who understands me to represent me. Mm -hmm. And we have that in Jesus. He is that, that advocate we all really truly need in our lives. And when we come before him and we plead our case, he will listen. And he understands it because, again, he lived the life that we lived. Yeah. And you can see that in the Gospels. And I think it gives a couple of examples here in Matthew 16, 27, Matthew 24, 27, Matthew 25, 31. And you read all, any of those scriptures and it kind of has the same three elements, or the same elements in each of these passages, that the Son of Man is coming in glory with his angels. Two, that he will divide the sheep from the goats. So that's where we're talking about the judgment. And three, the destiny of the nations and all humanity will be decided for eternity. That's it. <laughs> there's just those, you break it down into those three basic things that there's, that he's coming back for sure. And that he is going to separate those who fall in, like we talked about those two choices. And then that's it. There's going to be an end. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not going to continue to, you know, to go on and on and on. There's, there's going to be a point where everybody has made their decision. And when that's what we're talking about, that heavenly judgment that we find here in the lesson. And that's the one that I really want to focus on because it's really, really heavy on the fact of, of leading us into those three angels' messages about um, talking about that judgment. And so on Tuesday, it, it presents us here in, in the midsection of the, of the lesson. It says, read Daniel 7, 9, 10, 13, and 14. Why did Daniel call Jesus the Son of Man in something as serious as the judgment? What given, what, given what have we already looked at, should be comforting in knowing that the Son of Man is so central to judgment. And so if we read, you read Daniel 7, 9, and 10, and he does talk about that, like you mentioned before, talking about the Son of Man, and that, that the court sat and the books were opened. And when we think about that judgment time, like you mentioned, you want, you want to have the comfort that that same Jesus who redeemed us is going to be the one who judges us, right? So he has a personal connection to us. He has a reason now to, to have favor for us. It's not just throwing out judgment because you broke the law and that's the end of it and you get the, <laughs> you get the sentence. Um, but he has, uh, and, and many, many might say, look at, this, I look at this and say, well, Jesus is going to be the judge. Many are going to look at that and say, well, that's a terrible idea. I mean, there's going to there's gonna probably be some tor- type of retaliation, right? If he's going to be able to judge us, he has all ability to just say, well, I'm done with you guys. Uh, you've sinned so long, I'm tired, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to deal with you anymore, and you're just going to go on. Yeah. And so I know that a lot of people have brought that up, that, that's, that well, I don't, want, I don't want him to judge me, he's going to, but the love of God, that's why it's so important for us to understand the love that he has for us is beyond what we can understand and comprehend. For us, yes, humans, we some somebody does something to us in a mean way, and we want to retaliate. We want to get revenge, right? We want to go back on them. But that's not what's going to happen here. And and the way I see it is that this is the best possible news for for Jesus to be able to judge me, because even though he is the judge, he is also the sympathizer. He's the one that because he lived as we lived, he understands what it's like to be human. He understands what I went through. He understands my feelings. 
whether no other human being on this earth might ever understand me and what I feel and what I what I deal with in life, but he will. He understands what that's like. He understands the times I was down, the times I was not. He understands what it's what temptations I went through. And and this is awesome because it's not just a perfect God judging some erring mortals, right? It's rather it's he's the one who's on our side and understands us. And that's the that's the beautiful thing about this message. And so it talks about the judgment though and and, and it presents us with a question and so why is the judgment so important? Why is this judgment something that we should be discussing and talking about? Um, and I, it kind of answers that for us here in the lesson. And it talks about that the judgment reveals before the entire universe that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have done everything possible to save all humanity. The judgment vindicates not only the saints, but also God's own character against the false charges of Satan. And so this is that moment where everything will be made plain. All of the stuff will be will be will be shown laid out before the entire universe, and so they can finally see that God was just. God is love. God gave everyone equal opportunity to be able to turn to Him. That everyone had a chance. That everybody got to at least hear that message, that three angels' message, right? The gospel. They got to hear it once, and they had an opportunity to follow it or reject it. And even Satan himself, he was. God will be able to show that. Look, I gave him plenty of. Our, I didn't destroy him with the snap. I gave him opportunity, right? He had this ability to turn to turn back. He had this, and, and even when he was cast out to earth afterwards, he he's gonna show that the, all those claims that Satan made against God that no, it's not possible for people to follow you, for sinful people to follow you because you're not really a loving God. Those are the claims that that Satan makes against God that you're not a loving God, and yet when when at this time when when the judgment happens and it vindicates the saints, he can say, look. Look at all those people that followed me in this sinful world, those people that chose to, to make that decision to follow me, keep my commandments, and stay, stay on my side. And there you go, to show that it was possible all along and, and that all of your claims against me are wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I think that goes directly into the very next day where you know, we look at the victor's crown. We know looking at Revelation, the victor is going to be God. Hands down. We know God will triumph over evil. It's there. So when it talks about Jesus having this golden crown on his head, it's not a crown of a king. It's a crown of a, of a victor, of a champion, of someone who defeated something. It's a symbol of, you know, of conquering adversity and conquering this this evil. Yeah. And, you know, like how it talks here, it says, Jesus once wore a crown of thorns symbolizing shame and mockery. But now when we see him again, he's now wearing a crown that's victorious, that is glorified, that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's basically showing the world that he has conquered death, that he has conquered sin, not for himself, but for man. And it ties into everything else that we've looked at in, in this lesson so far. Mm-hmm. The Son of Man is victorious, which means man can be victorious against sin. Man can share this crown that Christ has. And honestly, that is a crown that I would love to have, a, a crown that is worth taking 
a look at your life and going, I need to separate the sin from myself. I need to take myself out of a bad situation and work towards something good because we look at this and we know the harvest isn't fully ripe yet, but it's getting there. It is almost time for the reaping. Mm-hmm. And I don't want Christ returning and looking at me going, you're a weed. I'm only taking the good grain. I'm not taking you. Yep. And it's such a powerful image, you know, because it does talk about when you look at the New Testament, there's a lot of imagery dealing around, you know, uh, farming, agriculture, yes. because at the time, that's what majority of people were. They were farmers or they were um, yeah, so. you know, animal wranglers or herders and stuff. So the imagery is very purposeful. Yeah, to, to be able to help them understand, right, to, to understand the messages and, and things that were relevant to them in their, in their day for sure. And I think it talks about that, right? You know, right, it says he uses the symbolism of a ripening harvest to illustrate the growth of the seed of the gospel in the lives of the people. The germination of the seed represents the beginning of spiritual life and the development of the plant is a beautiful figure of the Christian growth. And you can relate your, your Christian walk, your life, to that growth of a plant. You see it in the beginning, it just starts off as a little seed, right? You add some water to it and you say, hey, it's good. Yeah, I, I, something sprouted here because something new was introduced into my life and I was able to accept it. And as you continue to grow in your Christian walk, that plant grows and grows and grows. And the whole goal of that plant is not just to be you know, a flower to look pretty. It's to be a, a plant or a tree that, that eventually produces fruit. You want uh, to, to do something with that seed that can benefit others. And that's kind of the point of, of the illustration here is that if we are to grow in Christ, we are to grow to the point of where we're bearing good fruit, showing that that our characters are are, are going to be able to um, take on those traits that of Christ that we can share with other people and that other people can partake of and, and see and learn from. And that's kind of the whole point of it is that that growth, though, it takes a lifetime. It's not something that's just going to happen, yep. you know, within a week or a month or a year. It, it, it's going to continue. And, and I like how the lesson says here that those who live obedient lives are transformed by grace and motivated by love. That statement right there is, is awesome because we're, we're transformed by God's grace because, he, because of what he did, because of what Jesus did on the cross and allowed us to be able to have this opportunity. When we accept that, when we accept Christ's grace, we're transformed. We no longer want to live the way we used to live. But all of that is motivated by love. And when we see that, people change when they're in love, <laughs> right? When you think about meeting the person you're with today, that that time that you had together, that you spent together, to, that it was motivated by, oh, I love this person. I want to do what I can for this person. And that's the same character and, and attitude that we should have towards Christ. I love him because he first loved me. Man, so it's it's all about making a separation between you and the world, you know, to being that golden grain, being that that ripe harvest versus being the sour grapes left on the vine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a very powerful and symbolic message. And <clears throat> it's it's one that I think as Christians and trying to share the gospel, we need to be able to say, hey, when the reaping happens, 
do you want to be left among the vines to rot away and to be burned to create this new crop? Or do you want to be reaped and placed in the golden storehouse, you know, with God Mm -hmm. and to share that glory? It's a, it's a major question that we need to ask ourselves, but it's also something we need to share with the world and have them make a choice because this, what I'm seeing here so far in this lesson, that there's a choice that needs to be made. And we're seeing, we're seeing the foundation set for both sides and the question is going to come down. And I think that's what the end of this quarter is probably going to be is what choice are you making? And I'm, I'm looking forward to going through more of these lessons. I'm looking forward to getting into the messages themselves. And I think as we get through it, I think this lesson people are going to go back to and reread and look at it again because it's going to make more and more sense as we go through this. Yeah. And I think that last quote here on, on Thursday kind of wraps up this lesson is that it says, here is the urgent prophetic message of Revelation 14. Every seed has gone to harvest. The grain is fully ripe, and the grapes are fully ripe. The people of God reveal his image of grace, compassion, mercy, and love before the universe. The children of the evil one reveal greed, lust, jealousy, and hate. The character of Jesus is revealed in one group and the character of Satan in the other. Wow. That's it. And you look at those two traits and you say, which, which side do I want to be on? Yep. Everybody's going to have to make that choice for themselves. Yes. And, you know. <clears throat> You need to make that choice today. You need to really look at where you're at in your life and go, where do I want to be? When this comes to fruition, which side am I going to stand on? That is the choice. And I think Mm -hmm. as we go through this quarter, I think it's going to be more obvious which choice I think everybody's going to want to make. (laughs) But, yeah, with that... um, We want to thank everybody for listening. And if you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That is the number threeangelssda.org slash podcast. And use the comment section there. You can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast and our previous episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast and you'll find us right there and you can enjoy the several lessons we've gone over so far. And with that, I want to say God bless you all and join us next week as we go over the next lesson titled The Everlasting Gospel. And with that, uh, we'll go ahead and close with prayer. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to learn more about your message. And as we prepare for the Three Angels message and we prepare for the reaping that is coming, we want to lay before you ourselves our our sins and ask for forgiveness and ask for a salvation from this world lord we thank you for this opportunity to share this message because that is the most important thing we can do is to share the love that you have for the world and the sacrifices that you have given and the salvation that is at the end of this life that we all desperately need lord thank you we ask for forgiveness and we say all these things in jesus precious name Amen. Amen. This podcast has been brought to you by the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church. If you would like to know more about our church, please visit threeangelssda.org.